Hello and welcome to the Euphoria Podcast. I'm Dracos. And this week, uh, Cadrill is back. Thanks again to Vetti for covering last week. And additionally, our special guest, Han Sama, is going to be joining us for the entirety of the podcast to talk about all things um, League of Legends, all things LEC. First off, Hans, how you feeling? How does it feel to wake up at the crack of dawn to, to join us for this podcast? Hello. Uh, I feel quite nice, uh, actually. Uh, my schedule changed, but I don't know. Right now, I feel pretty energetic, even though it's uh, the morning. Maybe I'm just hyped to be in that place. That's and, it. And uh, thank you for having me there. Dude, Hopefully I like now, it. I like nice the time. energy. I like the enthusiasm. <laughs> um, big news on the personal front. Cadrill has uh, teamed up with DRX to be co-streaming the LCK. So shout-outs to Cadrill for that big news. Yeah. Are you ready to analyze high-quality League of Legends? Yeah, going to be watching the LCK live on my stream and just kind of analyzing the games as they go. Um, yeah, super cool opportunity to get the uh, co-streaming license from them. So I'm looking forward to that uh, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sick. Excited to see it before we cast, of course, for the LEC. As always, Euphoria is, though, available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. As mentioned, we're going to talk about week one, review some of the roster changes, some of the big surprises, some of the top teams, uh, before shifting our focus over to Rogue. Everything that's going on with Rogue. Everything that's going on with Han Sama, the man himself. After that, we're going to answer the immortal question of, is it balanced? Um, more often than not, the answer is no. It's so crazy when we ask that question. Um, and we're going to check out what's to come in week two. It's going to be an interesting week two here in the LEC. But to get things started, week one super week, probably not enough to make definitive conclusions. It's only three best of ones. But that said, Misfits are 3-0 and are now officially the best team in the league, right? That's how that works. And Astralis is in second place. And Astralis is in second place. Yeah, so <laughs> Hans, how do you feel about your upcoming final versus Misfits? Are you sweating? Hmm, I think Misfit didn't look uh, like a bad team. I mean, I feel like they didn't change at all from the last split, but I guess they are more like coordinated or something so that they could uh, take those wins. And uh, I don't know, but somehow it's always the same history that they win against Fnatic. I don't know, it happens so much. Um, in uh, It's always like the same history that happens uh, like... G2 beating Mad Lions in the first game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schalke beating like G2 all the time. Things are repeating itself all the time and us facing XL <laughs> and beating them. Uh, no, it's not a, about just beating them. It's like hard beating them. Or smashing <laughs> the them. <laughs> I, actually, when I, play, when I play my first game, it's always against XL and I'm playing the same style. It's like I'm taking the three outer turrets in uh, under two minutes and it's it's always the same story but. <laughs> and it's just a stomp <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's okay I was, about the <laughs> i was um, i was on the other side of that stomp for a year or so um, I, I was on the receiving <laughs> end of that <laughs> how did so tell me from a first-hand experience how does it feel when hansama locks in Callista and has taken like 12 to 15 tower plates by the time you've finally got a single gank off it's rough. It's rough. The only other time, I think the only other time we beat Rogue on XL was when they had the completely different roster of like Senkooks, uh, Kikis. Ah, yes. You know, the like ninth, pl- the ninth place roster. Yeah, the yes. tenth place roster. Tenth place roster. We, we, we had ninth place. Okay, don't take that away from us. <laughs> okay, and then I think we had one game against Rogue somewhere in 2019 where we were actually like slightly ahead, but then still lost because I don't know, they're just so much better. I mean, it's tough. Hansama on Kalista. It's a scary thing to watch. But focusing back in on Misfits, uh, you said you didn't feel like a lot a lot changed, Hans. But I'm curious in your opinion, Kajal, do you agree that it mostly feels like the same play style, it's just a bit more coordination? Why are we seeing Misfits 3-0 uh, 
uh, after this week one. I think they just got uh, individually better from spring to summer. Now, I'm not going to jump to conclusions just because they won the first three games, but they did take down Fnatic. They did take down Vitality, which was hyped around. So it's not like bad opponents, not like they're beating the bottom tier table teams. Uh, but like VTO, for example, has been grinding a lot of solo queue. I remember when MSI tracking the bootcamp pros was on, he was in almost every single game against like Showmaker and stuff, and he was doing really cool plays that went onto the front page of Reddit. And Razork also just hit rank one. So individually, they're grinding and they're trying their best to improve. I think you can see that, like VT on the Akali, just kind of carrying their whole game against Fnatic. And then their team coordination seems to be getting a little bit better. I would say that they've improved from spring. On the, f on the first half, the first week of evidence, I think they've definitely improved. Um, but I don't think that I would consider them like a top four team just because of this week. Is it? Does it feel to you, Hansam, at all like... Because Misfits have had, and you've been a part of, some of the Misfits' first halves that have been like, hell yeah, great stuff. I remember Draven in the Mage meta from you, man. You were like, you were like perfect first half into immediate tank in the second half. So are, are you a believer that Misfits can keep this momentum up? Or do you think that as we go, they're going to get back kind of to the middle of the pack? I think, uh, well, I was there 9-0, and they were by themselves going 7-0 or something as well, mm -hmm. like not long time ago, a year ago or something. Yeah. Uh, and well, who knows, maybe history repeats itself. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> But yeah, it looks like um, they are kind of doing well, especially in the team fight uh, this first week. Um, like uh, taking some team fight champions, I don't think they really prioritize uh, to play too much for the early game, just picking Akali and just... I feel like the champ is really annoying. Um, for an AD carry. Uh, this champ is so so strong in teamfight. Uh, but yeah, I think um, Misit has always been a team that starts off uh, strong in early, in most uh, season, I think. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, hope that they do well. I've always liked Misfit. <laughs> and, the, and the Akali pick is like, it's being first picked now. Like, I remember yeah. on the end of the Super Week, it was like, the, the first few days of Super Week, people were first picking things like Rumble and MSI champs, and that's cool. But then all of a sudden, Akali just becomes a first pick for half the teams. Um, is that champion just OP, do you think? Or is it just way too hard to deal with for the current Spoiler meta of right. Kato, read the script. Read, like, scroll down just Hello. a little bit. Scroll down just a little bit. Scroll down. <laughs> you see this part where it says, like, 30 minutes from now, we're going to ask if a champion's in balance. Oh, okay. What's the first <laughs> champion on the list? You're my co-host. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's screw up that question. <laughs> uh, you forget, whatever your opinions uh, on a call, you just hold those for a second for no reason uh, other than podcast <clears> structural <throat> integrity. <clears throat> uh, on the other <laughs> side of um, things at the top, that maybe people didn't expect to be there is Astralis. Now, this one's a bit weird because for the first time in, well, since I, I've played solo queue probably, I saw a trundle in the jungle, which <laughs> caught me off guard. And admittedly, Zanzar has a broken hand and he's playing with what he can. And I'm not sure if this champion is a meta pick or a limitations of his own. I'm not actually sure how much this is limiting him. You're, or... you're questioning whether the pick was because one of his hands is broken. Yeah, <laughs> okay. that's my question. I don't know. Um, so I want to get the read on Astralis because... Astralis, to me, still looked a lot like the team that we saw last season, which is um, some okay moments and a lot of, lot of blunders. There were so many individual mistakes, I felt like. Yet, despite that, they came out. They're 2-1. Now, overall, you know, you beat Excel, you beat SK, you lose to Mad. Not, not, the, not the top teams to be beating, but for Astralis, a team that, you know, struggled to even put, you know, a few wins together for most of the last season, I think it's a pretty positive start, but... What do you guys both think about, about this Astralis team, about this Astralis lineup? Can they be a playoffs competitor now in summer? Um, I Actually, I didn't watch the game that they played against Mad Lions. It mm. was, uh, but I watched a bit against SK, and I thought that they were going to lose. 
but I somehow they they won. I feel like the he picked Rumble that game, he did. and I felt like yeah, enemy treats had like Rumble or something, and the Trundle looks so useless to me. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean like in uh, in early game, it, it just clears the jungle so slow compared to to the other jungler, and it felt like well, well, I particularly don't think that they are that strong team. Maybe they just got lucky and they didn't play that uh, that like strong team yeah mm -hmm. i think if you uh if you watch sanzara's games on trundle i think he played two of them and if both those games what he does is he does buff into the enemy buff so he's just like invading you level two all the time in the sk game he did the exact same thing he did like blue into their red and then his bot lane still dies when he's late in when he's late invading their top side his bot lane dies to a gank on the bottom side of the map when they're splitting the map which is like poor coordination like the mistakes you're talking about but this trundle pick to me it's kind of like Zanzara's playstyle, I feel like. He just plays things like last video, just playing Skarner, Hecarim, Udyr. Just basic champions which don't require too much mechanics. And the champ itself can have proactivity. I mean, you can force flashes, you can look for ganks early. And I guess that's more of his playstyle. And he doesn't really like the farming junglers as much. Because I think that when I saw him on things like the Rumble, he just looked really uncomfortable. He yeah. just didn't look the same. Um, so I think that's a big reason as to why he does it. Maybe he thinks that he needs to help his, game in the, his team in the early game to get to mid game. And then he just picks an early game jungle goes down a couple levels and then tries to get a few dragons. But still, I don't think that's the real, the right place right now. Yeah, and I have to agree. I think that we'll, we'll kind of see in the week to come. I think when you're playing against the teams that have had so many roster swaps in the offseason, you're kind of expected to just do better in the first weeks. So I think that I expect the second half of this split to look very, very different than the first half. Just once a lot of these roster swap teams get more games under their belt. That said, we have a, a ton of teams that have essentially kind of rebuilt in a spring to summer off season. And again, we talked about it in the last episode, but very rare, very unprecedented, but between SK, Fnatic, XL, Vitality, Schalke, these teams that have made such dramatic changes, which one stands out the most uh, to you, Hans? Which one do you think is like the most interesting? Which one did you expect to be the most competitive? Because none of them did very well in week one, and it's only the first week of a brand new roster, so my expectations weren't super high, but it's kind of hard for me to get a read. So what do you think of the, of the roster swap teams? Um, I think the roster swap, some teams, especially Vitality, was kind of interesting to me. Mm -hmm. um, I used to play with Leader back then, and I thought that he was like good, and the team plays around him, and it looks like uh, Vitality almost won against us as well. Uh, it looked definitely like a stronger team than the last split or the maybe a last year split. Um, and I think their playstyle is more around mid and it looks like um, they can do good things the more they play together. Um, the roster swap that uh, surprised me was like SK. Yeah. I think they are much better if it's street support. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't really know the reason why they, they roster swap, but I think this roster swap is not uh, something uh, really good. I think uh, Jesus was doing well with treats, uh, treats and uh, taking that away from this team is a huge loss, I feel like. Mm -hmm. um, I guess maybe they needed someone to have more clear direction, but I felt like they were already a pretty uh, good team that had a lot of potential in Spring Split. Um, well, who else made worse the swap, actually? So <laughs> there's a Schalke, there's Fnatic, there's XL uh, with Nuke Deck and Denik. Um, there's, yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's honestly a ton. 
So I really just pick your poison. Like you don't have to break down every team, but like if, if you think Vitality is the most interesting, Vitality, yeah, Vitality for sure to me is is crazy because they came out swinging in that first game against Schalke. Immediate first blood, immediate like leader gets a level three gank two. You know he's playing um, Viego. It's literally from a narrative perspective the perfect thing. Self made leader jungle duo immediately leader gets ahead on a melee champion. You know like ugh. it's like it was an absolute dream. Mm-hmm. That said. Uh, the game against Rogue was a bit of a different story. They were getting absolutely blasted. Um, <laughs> Actually, what happened that game? Yeah, you guys can were like we, so can far we ahead. really quickly, and I know other players on your team have already answered this, is it a reading comprehension issue? What happened when both of your solo laners decided to chain 1v1 this, the Gwen? Like, what oh. what went wrong there? Because you guys were, I think you were 6,500 gold up in 18 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what what happened? Because we don't, normally Rogue, when you guys are ahead, the only team that ever pulls it back is very, like Mad Lions did it once or twice in the finals. She too have done it once or twice. But any other team, I feel like it's a death sentence once you get an early lead. Why? Why the chain 1v1s and the Gwen? What the hell happened there, Steven? Like, break uh, this, break that down one down. I'm not sure. I think we just thought that we would win 1v1 against Gwen. I think the the thing on bot lane was kind of unlucky when uh, Gwen could kill uh, Lassen. Lassen got actually crit blocked, really hard crit block. Yeah. So that's why he died. But uh, the auto 1v1, it was just <laughs> like, uh, yeah, the champ is too broken. You have one more item, but she still wins. And it's always the same story, even in solo queue, even yesterday, um, people are still surprised. I think at this point, people shouldn't be surprised that he <laughs> just wins with no items. Mm. Some champions with items. So, yeah, I think this champ is just needs a nerf. It's broken as hell. We're not talking yeah. about her in the is it broken segment because it felt really obvious to me. So if you want to rag on Gwen real quick. Let's go to that segment. Please just nerf this <laughs> champ. I have to ban it every game in solo queue. Just heals through all my damage. Can't even hit a lease in queue on her because she's immune at a distance. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's true. I just had to do that. You get to ult through the front line into the back line. You get a ton of dashes. You have so much weird kit synergy. Oh no. Look what Phil has. Oh, oh he's snipping scissors. <laughs> it's scissors. everywhere. I everywhere I, look. I saw the video when <laughs> it was so funny. That was so awkward though, because <laughs> I didn't know when to do it. And basically what the producer said, I think it was it was a Kevin. Yeah, so for for context, yeah. we brought scissors up to the cash desk because we knew at some point there was gonna be yeah. a Gwen replay, and I wanted Cato to give us the Gwen <laughs> breakdown where he just furiously give us we're gonna give us the replay here. Furiously cut with the scissors, yeah. and then we told like the cast. So the production process is like, I'm talking. Cadrel's making something up. I'm like, in that replay, make sure you show Cadrel. And then they bring up the wrong replay. So for like three minutes of caster desk time, Cadrel is standing with scissors at the ready. <laughs> as just normal gameplay waiting, waiting for just the replay. Waiting, and then like after three minutes, after two completely not Gwen-related replays, we finally get it, and he gets to do the scissors thing yeah. while talking. And, and the producer says to me in the in the ears, he's like, "You're gonna be on the pip or something like this," which yep. means you're gonna be like the picture in picture, the, the little picture. picture the little corner. picture of the corner while the game's happening. Cadrell has no idea and what that I didn't means. know what that meant. I thought it was going to be like, the camera's just going to go to me full screen and I'm just going to do this. So I was watching the replay waiting and all of a sudden I just appeared in the bottom left corner and I was like, what the hell is that? And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> so I was really shocked. Um, yeah, but now I learned, you liked I learned what that was after that. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you liked that. That's good. You're like <laughs> one of six breakdown. people that noticed that. So that's it's, it's excellent. <laughs> yeah, but TLDR, Gwen... Um, very strong, turns out. Very like a viable Fiora, which is a little bit frustrating as uh, as far as and the fact go. that you can play Ignite TP top just basically that's just annoying, man. Like her, her E dash. is broken level one. Her R is super broken in team fights. Why does her kit is so strong synergistically? Because you get the attack speed steroid, which helps you stack the stacks with the Q. The Q goes off faster. It's like you don't even need Nashers 
to have a ton of attack speed just because we could go it into sounds one like an AD carry's worst nightmare it's a nightmare <laughs> yeah you heard it here first there you go uh, Riot Games, if you're looking for a new charitable contribution, um, Save the 80 Carries is a uh, nonprofit that Cajun and I are starting where we uh, ask you to nerf champions that are abusing our, our wonderful 80 Carries like, like Hansama <laughs> here. Please, Quinn. please, you can save the 80 Carries with just... Um, one nerf per patch. Just one nerf per patch. That's all we're asking. That's <laughs> one at a time. I just wish there was an 80 Carry that had the... Same thing as Gwen, you can't target the AD carry, you know? <laughs> imagine, <laughs> imagine AD carry that was untargetable. Bring that champion, please. <laughs> One day. I mean, you got Samira for like six patches before that was nerfed into oblivion. I think that's yeah. the closest you're ever going to get. Actually, she was broken, but no one was playing it in you still. Which I'm so thankful for, because that <laughs> when that champion was really broken, it was like actually not even fun to watch. She just did too much damage. She had too much lifesteal. Yeah. Completely and totally imbalanced. Blocks all your skill shots. Um, one team that I do want to talk about, because they managed to to beat you this weekend, Hans, is, is Fnatic, kind of bringing it back in. Now, this was a really interesting game, but I would love to know kind of what you what happened from your perspective and from the team's perspective, because Cajun and I were casting, and we talked a lot about Karthus. Uh, I'm not going to say almost exclusively, but it was a very Karthus-focused cast, I would say, for the most part. But what happened from, from your perspective? Uh, from a perspective, I think this game was quite winnable. I didn't really feel like they played that great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know there's, there's some other games that they play better, I guess, with the other roster. Um, it's more like, because I feel that way because... Uh, we only lost because we made mistakes, not mm-hmm. because they forced us to actually uh, make those mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I think there was um, maybe a lack of synergy in the team, in our team, that we kind of didn't have some plans in some moments and we didn't really um, pressure well and we got caught and then they they just snowballed, they just kept farming on the Cartus. Uh, personally, I don't think Cartus TP was too good in this game against Ash Rumble. I think we should be able to take more opportunities to make the champion, uh, make Buipo like more uh, in back foot. I think um, we didn't get a really nice team fight once, I think, in this game. Mm-hmm. It was just uh, not a good game from us. So, mm. um, so yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't lucky. <laughs> yeah, I think the two biggest mistakes that I saw was the first one on Otto Amne just dying to like this top gank because he was just kind of hitting plates in Adam's face and he just got ganked top before got the kill, right? I think it was. And then that just kind of put the Cartus ahead because yeah. he could just take the kill, push out top wave. He got so much XP from this and then he got like uh, level six already so quickly and then that just puts Inspired behind. And the second one was Larson going for the top tower as well getting caught by Hillisang and then they just got, uh, I think Otto came to help, Inspired came to help, they all died and they, they got Baron, right? I think those are the two things that puts Rogue on the back foot. But I agree when Hans, when you hit that arrow in mid on the tower and then the Rumble ult came down, Whippo couldn't do anything. He just died. Shock Blast, Rumble ult, Ash Arrow, he was just dead. So I think you're right. I think when it comes to team fights, the Cartus should really struggle uh, to walk up, like especially from my experience playing Cartus, even with Flash, walking into River against these channel champions is almost impossible if I don't have vision. Uh, but somehow he was able to find early kills and was able to farm up. So uh, they managed to find dragons and stuff like this. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not only on team fight. It's more like uh, also when you get tempo in the team, uh, which you should be able with this draft that we have. And I feel like it's pretty hard for the characters to do anything to contest the vision that we will get. Mm-hmm. But we didn't get to that point, I think, uh, much uh, to like pressure through lane, get a lot of vision, 
if we were able to do that, then I would put more arrow to, to his face, <laughs> unfortunately. I was really confident to actually hit my arrows, but I could see that this guy was always farming in fog and just yeah. Yeah, pressing R. Yeah, <laughs> or just this was also This teammates. was also the game with the tragic but very confident flash over the wall from Trimby into the random out of nowhere sidestep from Niski. The completely like oh. Niski has no vision and he just randomly backsteps as Trimby flashes over Do the you wall with that? the hook. When you uh, arrowed and you yeah. flash hooked at the same time. Uh, uh, there was a miscommunication there uh, as well. I, I think somehow he saw us. I think he saw us or he saw my arrow and then he started sidestepping it. I'm not sure, but yeah. maybe it was just like... Yeah, we, when we saw on vision, we didn't check the replay closely. So like by all means, if someone else has checked more closely, feel free to reach out to us. But we were, because we watched in the replay, we were like... We were looking for your we were vision. looking for your vision or for from his vision, and he just like we're like he doesn't see anything. How did he know? Like maybe somebody called it that they were there, and he just immediately backstepped out of like fear, right? Yeah. Because if Illusion dies there, I think the fight's won, right? He just gets picked off, and it's five v four. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, sidestepped, and then Trimby was way too deep. Actually, we reviewed, that, we reviewed that game right after, and we said that we should just contest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just just contest them that dragon and we should be able to win <laughs> yeah mm. i think but we went too much creative there and it was not needed you have so much zone control right with ash jace rumble you should be able to you should be able to take sure. pretty easy. i mean but you miss the shots you don't take come on sometimes you gotta flash a cube because if it had hit if if it had hit yeah. it would have looked good trimby would have gotten player of the game just for that moment right there the absolute no fear blind flash hook over the wall like <laughs> That's what I live for, at least. I know that's not Honored. good League of Legends, but like, yeah, honor that. That's what I'm here for. Um, looking forward for Fnatic, I, I, right now for Fnatic, they've only played three games on stage, right? So still the vast majority of their games have come from scrims. I don't know how much you've gotten to, to scrim them, um, Hans, but like, in general, are, are we expecting more out of this Fnatic roster looking forward? Like, is this, are we going to look back on summer for Fnatic and be like, oh, this was another rebuilding year, they'll do okay in playoffs? Or do you guys expect this team to be contesting top four, contesting top three um, by the end of the split? Mm, I think I always thought that Fnatic might be very strong uh, just because the way I see bot lanes, I think their bot lane um once they got like upset on his song i always thought that this bot lane i need to be careful playing against them mm -hmm. and just the fnatic play style i think i feel like when i think about fnatic is a lot about pressuring uh with bot somehow mm -hmm. with tps mm -hmm. all the time they are i re always recognize them as being the tp uh bot lane team i don't know I'm, i've been i've got TP behind for so long against Fnatic in screams. Yep. It's crazy. There's so many rosters too, by the way. Like this yes. is like the Misfits starting strong is up there with the Fnatic TPing bot. Like both these things have happened for it, so many years. It must be a pretty song special to to like yeah. say TP behind like bot lane. I, I think I got it on stage uh, once or twice uh, last last year or something. I remember prepping for Fnatic on XL with Young Buck as the coach, and he was like, guys. If you do a gank bot, there's going to be two TPs and you're going to die. Don't do anything like this. Be careful for TPs behind. Like this was the number one thing that he was careful for, right? <laughs> and then I think there was um, a Reddit thread a day or two ago where Nelson from G2 said that uh, when they screamed Fnatic and stuff like this and he looked at up to Tillisang, he was really scared. He was like, that's an LPL bot lane. He, says, he even said that they're like Uzi Ming. Um, mm. So from screams, Nelson from G2 thinks that they're a really, really strong bot lane. So why not play for them, right? 
I mean, it makes sense. And Upset and Hillisling have been getting better and better. And again, last season, they were our most dominant um, 2v2 bot lane in terms of raw kill stats. I think like I think when it came to gold advantage, I actually think you were probably one of the leaders there, Hans. But when it came to just killing people in lane, just raw 2v2 kills, they were like 12 or 13, which given Hillisling's history, not not super surprising, but good to see that bot lane work well together. So yeah, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm frankly, I'm excited to see what Fnatic do. And I'm, I'm kind of hopeful for that for that team and that org that they can rise back up but yeah and i remember i remember hans said um backstage before this like whippo hill is saying it's one of the scariest things to face as an ad carry <laughs> <laughs> yes i honestly i i really like uh the bot lane the skill of the bot lane uh i was like when i see uh aggressive bot lane and yeah. it's always nice to play against them well unfortunately in our, our match i think we didn't really play aggressive between each other i feel like uh, maybe it was tense for both. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think it gets bloody sometimes, and uh, they are really mechanically good in lane, uh, upset any song, and uh, that's why I think that they have the potential to be a top team. Yeah. All yeah. the since the year start. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm hopeful that they can do that again. Looking at the more certified favorites in the league, the the teams that haven't made changes, the people that you would expect to win the trophy. Uh, Mad Lions, G2, and of course Rogue as well. What's what's the read on these teams? Now, it was an interesting kind of week. Um, we saw variable form from every team. I would say of the three, I would say Rogue looked the most dominant, again, outside of one or two Gwen moments. Um, I would say Rogue probably looked like the most put together, most dominant team, but I'm going to go to Cadrill first because I think you have to say Rogue are going to win the split. I think I'd be sad if you didn't. So Cadrill, what's your read? Like, Who do you think is the, the strongest team in the LEC right now? Oh, man, that's a hard question. Mm. Um, well, it's hard because I think that all three, like, for example, <laughs> the three teams, obviously, G2, G2, Mad Lions, Rogue, I think they all had up and down weekends, right? Yeah. So we have Mad Lions losing out to G2, uh, and then G2 losing out to Schalke, and then Rogue uh, just losing out on that Gwen game, right? So that we were just talking about. And also the mistake uh, in the Vitality game where they kind of threw, like, an insane lead. So... Although these teams look really <laughs> strong, there's still a lot to... I mean, it's the first week of summer, so there's just like yeah. some kind of like hiccups in communication or just or just team play. I would say it's between G2 and Rogue for me. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that Mad Lions, as if it's right now, the best team right now, I think Mad Lions, like Max said in the interviews in Super Week, they've taken breaks off. They've taken yeah. scrim days off where they just talk to each other. So they're behind on the meta. They might be slightly burnt out because they only really had a week break or so before MSI finished a week or two break and then they had to get back to scrimming uh, for summer. So I think they're on the back foot and they need to recover a little bit. Um, whereas G2 and Rogue are a lot more fresh, I would say. Uh, they had a bigger break. They've been scrimming way earlier probably and they feel a lot more, you know, drive because of the burnout factor. So I would say G2 and Rogue uh, just looking at gameplay as well. Yeah. I think this weekend that's coming up We'll decide which one I think will be the better team because they do face each other. I think you do yeah, face Rogue G two and Rogue Misfits. Um, two great matchups. Yeah, I think that's. Ooh, on are you going to be a victim of the win streak of Misfits, Hansama? That's the question. Actually, it's no. a Titan weekend, isn't it? Win streaking Misfits and G two. Uh, but I think I was the guy that. Actually, I'm not sure, but I think I, I think Rogue uh, won against their win streak when they were seven zero back then. 
Actually, I'm not sure. Well, I, I think Google. that was. I think that was it. What I've learned is that you buy into the narrative, which I respect. I it, like it's it. always <laughs> the same story. It just repeats itself. I don't know what, yeah, what kind of force it is. Did you see the, the cold open, the script yeah, with you and Betty? And Everett has to get really wild with the roster changes to keep things fresh. Um, uh, right I'm now, I'm getting reverse swept as a script. Oh no, I'm <laughs> so sorry, bro. <laughs> it's too soon. Okay. Oh man, that was that was I think, horrible. I think what I would love to know, Hans, is we'll talk about all of Rogue and, of course, of you in a moment here in our next section so i would love to get your read on kind of mad and g2 and how you, how you see them as opponents and as teams what's your read on on both of those lineups mm. well to talk about g2 i think they split they might have changed some stuff maybe like yeah. they, uh, they brought in nelson that was the big change yeah uh, from uh, our perspective there's nelson and also from the get-go it looks like they are like uh, Reckless, especially is playing the AD carries in the meta. Mm -hmm. uh, I think last split, there was some time that they didn't really play AD carries in the meta and that could maybe make uh, some draft a bit harder. You're but, talking about like, like the gin and stuff that kind of came out of nowhere in some of those drafts? Uh, yeah. Not saying that it was like bad, uh, totally bad, but I think playing AD carries in the meta helps uh, also a lot uh, for the team to um like play around better around those picks and making those picks like more uh contested or something mm -hmm. and uh that we don't feel like it's uh, maybe easy to draft for bot lane at least um mm -hmm. and about mad lines i think they are i think they have improved well maybe it's just some games in screens maybe we, we uh well we screamed against them and i thought they were really strong mm -hmm. uh especially like when I first debuted in, I mean, in Spring Speed, it was the same story. Maybe I've, I've, uh, I was, maybe I won against the bot lane, but I always thought they are a strong bot lane in the league, even yeah. in Spring Speed. And in summer, I think um, Kazi and uh, Kaiser can do nice stuff together. Uh, they showed good, they showed great things in MSI. Yeah, they did. They did. Definitely. Especially off the back of a finals where I think that. In that finals that we just mentioned, I think you and uh, you and Trimby were definitely beating them in two v two. I think every single game you got a two v two kill in bot lane almost in that finals. But then in MSI, like Cars and Kaiser just bounced back so hard. Yeah, it was actually it was really crazy because they played well in the G two series, and then I feel like you guys absolutely demolished them every game in the finals, despite the results. Um, and maybe demolish is too strong of a word, but then yeah, they came back swinging in MSI. So that development from Mad Lions has been has been good to watch. Um, and frankly, I think it's. It's hard to set any clear expectations for MAD. I think for a team like G2 that got to scrim during MSI, you kind of hope that they would hit the ground running a little bit more. But in classic G2 fashion, I think until they're knocked out, you kind of give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to perform a little bit better. Mm. And for MAD, I guess we'll just have to see. Um, shifting attention then to Rogue and focusing in on Rogue. Kato, you said, uh, how long have Rogue been scrimming? Asked that question. Can you answer that, Hans? How long have you guys actually... Did you guys get to scrim into the MSI teams? Did you guys get to... Um, were you guys grinding solo queue during that time period? How long have you guys actually been practicing and preparing um, for, for summer season? Oh, I think uh, we were one of the latest teams to start practicing. We didn't uh, play against MSI teams, <laughs> uh, but I think we started a week uh, later than the other teams. I don't remember when they actually started. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, But I, I was... Uh, I think I started uh, practicing solo queue two weeks before scrim starts. It's always the same routine for me, mm -hmm. uh, being in really good shape so that the scrims, you just take them the most efficient uh, possible way. Uh, but yeah, I think we started later than usual. Mm. 
Interesting. Um, well, I mean, uh, coming out week one, again, I think you guys looked like the most coordinated team, at least in terms of what you're bringing to the table. Where do you see then Rogue right now in the league? We talked about Matt, we talked about G2. I think you were the best performing team in week one based on what we saw. Yes, there uh, were some throws, but I feel like in general, that really confident, really put together early game is what is kind of the easiest way for me to feel confident in a team. I feel like Rogue had that. Yeah, I think Rogue, you guys were the most clinical in getting leads. But then G2, I think the only real reason they lost the Shout game was when they were just having an off game on top on set. He did get and blasted. That's I think true. that he was like the biggest factor as to why they lost. And an individual losing the game rather than a team-wide orientated game loss is a lot easier to just pinpoint. Mm. Um, but what do you guys think? Do you think that Rogue is uh, still up there? Oh, that's nice to hear that uh, we are maybe the best performing team because right now I feel like um, there's actually a lot of things that uh, we can improve on. Uh, I'm sure the whole team thinks like that. I think there's a few mistakes, but right now I feel like there's so much so much opportunity to become stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, like next week, I hope that the practice will go insane. I mean, I think... Uh, it's really clear for me the the things that we have to work on, for example, and I'm I'm kind of kind of happy that uh, it shows that we are one of the uh, best performing team or the best performing team. Mm-hmm. I think this week we showed great dominance in early game and we didn't uh, really show good stuff in mid game. Uh, well, like Ria said, we kind of got caught and stuff, but it it's because we maybe lack of direction in the mid game, uh, and I think it's not uh, a hard thing to fix, honestly. And um, maybe um, maybe put things some more champions uh, because we banned Esvin during those three games. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was, don't know. It's always been us that ban Esvin all the time. It's funny because you and Fnatic on your day one games both banned Ezreal and Varus. And then you pick, you got the Alistair Callista, which was crazy that you got the Alistair and the Callista together. And then they went for Zyra Khan. So I was really hyped when you guys were going to play each other because I was convinced that it was just going to be Ezreal Varus bands and you guys were just going to play kill lanes against each other and just go in. And then you picked Ash because you wanted lane prio and that's fine. I get it. Lane priority is important. No, but when I pick Ash, it's actually not to play safe. It's to play really aggressive. Yeah, just like, get the push, right? It's, uh, Ash is really a strong champion to auto space. Yeah. And I, when, I pl- I wanna, when I want to play her, I don't want to play her completely safe. Maybe it's like historically the safest champion in the bot lane, you just yeah. get prior and stuff. But when I play her, it's just to utilize my E to play more aggressive in lane, to mm. create opportunities and then engage. It's the most aggressive way to play her. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think that game, I couldn't play that aggressive because uh, unfortunately we didn't get uh, sweeper in the bot lane mm-hmm. and they had ward behind us. So if I play aggressive, I'm just getting- They get TP'd on, right? Yeah. And I'm, just dead. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, makes, it makes sense because you can just push in the Kaiser, right? You can outrate her and then you have Nautilus next to you so she can't walk up and then you just keep river vision and just keep eating where the jungler is probably and then you can just do whatever you want on the map. Yeah, yeah I wanted it to be a kill lane completely. I want to uh, Ash Nautilus and just them. But unfortunately, we kind of uh, misplayed on the on the trinket uh, part. Mm. Yeah. So I think then talking about the bot lane because your, your bot lane is really interesting to me because I was I was kind of surprised when Trimby came in and obviously in the first few weeks he was a very confident player he was always making plays some of them went right some of them went wrong but it feels like he's been getting better and better and I think the thing that we saw or at least I saw in playoffs was he's kind of sick mechanically that man hit every Nautilus hook into the Leona E every time and now I haven't played that matchup 
So I don't know. That might be super easy or free. I like exclusively play Bard. So that's kind of hard to do with the Bard queue. Much easier, I imagine, not. But he also was doing the Alistair cancels with Rel, instantly stunning Alistair out of his combo. And it seems like, in general, you guys are getting better and better as a duo. Last split, I felt like it was a lot of you kind of carrying the bot lane, you playing super forward, playing aggressive, and he was kind of catching up. And it feels like you guys are a lot more on the same page this season. How is that bot lane developing? Uh, I think our bot lane... Me and Trimpy are developing uh, really great. Um, it's always I always feel like the second split with my bot lane uh, with my partner is uh, gonna be much better, and it shows. I think uh, we are being more confident to play with each other, being more confident to actually wanting to stomp the enemy bot lane, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I always have this aggressive mental. I think when Trimpy came to the team. Uh, he had the playstyle to play more control, I guess, mm -hmm. play more around roam timers. But when uh, when we play more with uh, each other, I think mm -hmm. his style changed a bit to... He gets the confidence. Uh, yeah, let's kill enemy bot lane you can, <laughs> when you can, you know. <laughs> and uh, well, a roam at, uh, well, good times. Uh, and he's becoming more confident confi confident over the, over the month. Mm -hmm. And it's really nice to see that. I feel like he improved a lot mentally. Uh, in order to show great plays because he's really good mechanically players. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, we can be the best. Yeah, because I remember the cast, every time the camera panned bot lane because there was an all-in, Hillisang would E in, he would hook the E, he wouldn't get stunned and nothing would happen. And then Ash can just trade aggressively. So it was like, the bot lane's really cool, I think. Yeah, I was really impressed. And especially, it's, it's cool to hear about the development because when you guys um, had a bit of, I can't remember if it was a shaky week or a shaky playoff, Soto was talking about some of the communications issues that you guys were going through and kind of working on and developing. And when we heard the comms, Trimby was like, Trimby was that guy who was trying to relay maybe too much information, always super active, always super vocal. And um, I know that that was something that improved and you're now talking about his individual abilities improving. And so it's, it's cool to watch um, the youngest player on a, on a roster full of, at this point, very veteran talent kind of steadily get better, steadily improve. But talking about you, you're like aggressive mentality. But I've watched you for your entire career, and there were the Dra there was the Draven split with the mages, and I would say that was aggressive mentality. It was like you and Mickey with Morgana Black Shield on Draven that had to get banned every game because you guys were just literally going to dive tower and kill people. But when when we went into 2019, and you kind of and Misfits kind of had this uh, super team fiasco where it felt like you guys could never really get the results of the performance that you wanted. I felt like you were so quiet that you didn't really get to show kind of what you were made of. And then to me, from an outside perspective, when you joined Rogue there was like this switch. I remember your first Aphelios game. You were the only Aphelios I'd ever seen. You like aggressively flashed over bot brush wall to walk around the corner to, to like instantly headshot some guy. I don't know why I said headshot like you can headshot to right click some guy when playing too much Valorant. Um, and that blew me away. And I've seen that now ever since then, this constant stream of aggression coming out from you. You super aggressively using your auto attacks and lane against upset stood out to me in the Fennec game. And I'm glad you called it out um, as a part of your, the way that you like to play Ash. But did you, was that always there? And maybe I just missed it because that Misfits team was struggling. Or do you feel like you had a change personally that like unleashed you to be way, way more aggressive? Um, it was not always there, but it was always there uh, inside of me. Yeah. Uh, this aggressive play style. I've always been that person. But I think uh, when I entered the professional scene 2017, I was more of a player, even though I was really successful that year, 
I think I was a player because of the culture of the team that was more controlled. You had to play always safe, most of the time safe, not always safe. And at some periods, I always go back to like, yeah, I think it's like mostly farming because if I play aggressive, I'm just gonna get ganked and stuff. Uh, mm. And it was like that in 2019, the focus was just different. Uh, I couldn't actually feel that freedom to play this play style that I like, that I love, mm -hmm. which is playing aggressive to create opportunities just through AD carry, through shot calling for my, for my lane or through some trading 1v2 and then you the support engages. Basically, it's like when the AD carry engages, that's um, the play style that I like the most. Uh, there's a lot of things that, that happened in my career that made me play different. But the time that I played different was I was more, I guess, silent. Mm -hmm. Was when I was focusing a lot. Uh, well, that was mostly when the team wasn't maybe working well. I was trying to find some solutions. I was maybe going more to that shot calling type of yeah. um, player in the team um, and getting that micro knowledge. And I think everything... I learned so much stuff that when I came to work and it was a new adventure, I could feel a lot more freedom and then I could just show my playstyle to everyone. Yeah. And the team liked it um, because when I wanted to play aggressive in Misfit, I think it was kind of denied at some time and I felt like uh, that's not the right way to play because I want to play the way uh, my team wants to play. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm really happy that since 2020, uh, the start of 2020, I can uh, show um, how my true playstyle is, uh, what I think I would shine with. Now you're now you're unleashed. <laughs> yeah. Off. No, I remember. Unleashed. I remember 2016 spring. I uh, subbed in for a team called Copenhagen Wolves, uh, and they were just came off the back of like the perfect run in Millennium. And we beat them in the semifinals of the CS qualifier. And I was sitting in a hotel room with you. Remember this? And he, you were like considering just stopping league and just going like into artistry and drawing and stuff like this. And I remember that hotel room so fondly because it was at that year that you turned everything around. And then in 2017, you just started skyrocketing. Uh, I remember playing against you in Lands as well when you were playing Draven and you were like the most aggressive bot lane. Can't remember who your support was at the time, but my bot lane was struggling. And you were just so annoying to play against because you were so young. <laughs> I think at that time he was like 16 years old in 2016. Oh, wild. Uh, and yeah, and it's just such a good transition to see you go from like being young and shy and like all these kind of things and now just like growing so much aggressive and all those things. I, I love it. Yeah, Actually. Go ahead. Uh, that scene, uh, Challenger series scene, uh, when I was 14, 15, 16, playing lands, I was actually really aggressive. That was... How was uh, how I always was, but when I come to professional scene, I'm like, there's so much things to learn. There's there's like short calling. You have to tell your teammates what you want to do. You have to play safe safe at some time because your team comp doesn't allow you to play aggressive bot. Um, you have to watch uh, minimap more. You have to do so many uh, many more stuff than uh, when I was just uh, playing in the lands and just playing aggressive just. <laughs> playing how you want to do you know yeah just with the feeling <laughs> yeah i mean and that's also like the pressure is kind of off right because you just you're good you're playing your best and you're not thinking about other stuff because it's 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 fun at that point it's not your job yet there's not the kind of crazy pressure of of lec right the expectations of your team um maybe are, are a little bit different because it's I, in my experience 
as a scrub, when you play five stacks with your friends, you're chilling. You know what I mean? And I'm sure even at the higher competitive level, before you're full on a professional team, it's still there's probably still a lot of that. The people that you play with are the people that you like, that you get along with. And it's um it's crazy to see that transition. Do you feel like when you came to Rogue in twenty twenty, this was like a chance to reinvent yourself with what you're talking about? That you finally like you took in all this knowledge over the years, you had the aggressive young Hansama, you had like the X years of learning on misfits and kind of learning what it meant to be a aggressive and also this kind of professional player that can fulfill those responsibilities to your team do you feel like you got to just be a completely new person when you when you came to rogue uh kind of um uh, at the end of 2019 i was really really motivated to start a new adventure because uh it's like really a long time that i was in misfit and changing the the environment would be nice for myself personally, yeah. personal development. I think I got a lot, lot more mature on how I I like behave with my teammates, mm-hmm. how I understand things as a team, how to get better as a team, not only mechanically, not only you alone in the game, uh, how you can do. I'm just talking about what can I do to affect my team the most positive way. And that's one of my goals when I came to Rogue. It was focusing as well on the environment, how I was with my other teammates and how I can, uh, I guess, help the team improve. And being mechanically good um, and feeling a lot of freedom was uh, the most uh, satisfying, satisfying fine way <laughs> for me, <laughs> I think for me. Uh, because I think uh, back then I didn't really feel a lot of freedom of uh, how I wanted to play the game. Um, it was only, I feel like, a lot of by the book thingy. Yeah. I was playing a lot, lot, lot of times safe and I felt actually mm. bad inside, like playing safe, safe, safe. Because it's by the book, you have to play aggressive at level 6 because your comp allows it, not before yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's something like that, you know. But at Rogue, I can just um, create new stuff like it's uh, so nice i feel like i'm improving a lot lot uh from 2020 to 2021 uh and even more right now i think i can reach new eyes that's cool do you does it uncomfortable at all when you like you talk about it now is it uncomfortable to look back and to be like oh like to know that maybe like you didn't always get to be this aggressive that you kind of had to be quiet that you like do you think back to some of those games where you felt like you could have gone in and maybe got found a kill and you're just waiting till level six and like cringe is it, is it hard to think about some of those times uh no i actually feel really happy to think about those times because i actually met even though that wasn't like the best for me individually a lot i learned so much things through so many good players or the good coaches in their own aspect they they view the game differently but i took a lot from them uh, back in misfit mm. i met so many people i mean so many players i was always uh, uh been there for so long so i always uh, saw the people coming and then <laughs> uh yeah. i took so, some things from them and i'm really happy to to think back and be like uh, yeah i learned so much that i can put so much right now on the table for my team and uh, start making something actually. I haven't won a single LEC uh, you almost title. Did. Almost did. Almost did. <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, the pressure, 
I think they, I think mentally, maybe I wasn't ready enough to win that title. I actually put everything um, that I could uh, that split. Actually, the spring split was the split that I wanted to win the the most compared to all the split uh, since I started my career because uh, it was a everyday uh, like type of lifestyle goal. Mm -hmm. My goal was just to have a nice lifestyle every day. Mm -hmm. Therefore, 2 p.m. practice was the most important thing for me. Mm -hmm. uh, 2 p.m. to 7. And therefore, I was always thinking, uh, yeah, what drives me every day? It was just to play well in the LEC, win the LEC, which is the most present thing because I was always thinking, yeah, let's get let's get to Worlds, which in, is in 10 months, but it's like so far away that uh, my focus is should be in the week two, in the week three. And it, that's why maybe I developed like this sense of, yeah, I want to win this title so badly. Yeah, big goals. And, <laughs> and I was really ready to win that, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, it just yeah, it was really, it was really close. It was, it was exceptionally close. One team fight, one thing different, of course, but it happened. Moving forward, um, is that motivation? Do you do you feel like you're holding on to that for summer? Because I think that's one of the big struggles I imagine of being a pro is like being so close or getting so far, or working so hard, and then ultimately falling short of any goal, whether it's game five in a finals or week eight in a playoffs run where you have a 4% chance to it's, not make it. I'm sorry, it has to come back every once in a while. Every single episode, it's, there's a playoffs joke, man. I'm just saying, if you failed more in your life, we would have more humor, more material, but we don't, all right? So just take that. It's good. Okay. We have yeah. one joke. It's just because the rest of your career is so successful. Yeah, it was successful. True. <laughs> but like, yeah, how do, you, how do you keep that motivation um, uh, going? Is that motivation still there for you, Hans? Um, it's definitely there because... Not only because I want to win the summer split, it's more about uh, how I want to improve uh, as a player and as a person motivates me mm. as well, one of the most. Uh, also, uh, being able, I feel like last split, I actually learned um, one uh, important thing and it might sound like really obvious, but it's like how badly, how badly you want to win, that's the feeling that I learned. That's yeah. this feeling that in a best of five, you would just go to the first game, even though this first game would just, that you just lost. My focus was just, I don't know, I just wanted to win so badly. And this feeling, I hope to remember it for the summer split. Mm. This is a feeling that I, I kind of, mm, I, this is a feeling that I remember because I kind of captured this moment and yeah. I hope to pull it for every single important game in summer split and also the summer split title taking it uh because i kind of thought that at some point it was kind of mine because the game was so free win mm. <laughs> you the, were to know the last game it's it's i never got that feeling the only feeling that i got uh, that was similar to this was against skt the feeling of being kind of how like, would you say it? you can do it Kind of, but maybe after, <laughs> like when you lose. Oh, when, you could have uh, done it. Yeah, when I, when you could have done it, I yeah. realized that my body was like shaking, maybe ready, maybe ready to cry. <laughs> but oh. uh, I rarely get this feeling. Um, but it was just on those two moments, the most um, um, moments that will maybe remember for the 
for my lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of annoying feeling. Um, and uh, I remember it clearly. So I think it's gonna be a huge drive for me to get this summer split going. Yeah. Did you get a chance to watch, just as an off, kind of a side note on the Misfits thing, did you get to watch the, the feature that uh, NA put out, the replay files thing? Yes, I did. How did you, how did it, did it like bring up back all those old feelings about this best of five? Was it crazy to watch your old teammates and, and also Hooney talk about that series? Uh, actually, it made me kind of, oh, maybe sad <laughs> when yeah. I was watching it. Um... Because maybe this is a moment that I really didn't... I tried to not think about it too much yeah. over the last four years because it would make me feel bad mm -hmm. just thinking about this series and even thinking about my lines. And uh, when I think back, uh, think about the past, uh, I could have done it. I just feel bad. So I didn't think it at all. And when I saw this video, there's a lot of things that actually maybe forgot. Yeah. And looking at this video made me remember a lot of things so that made me sad uh but still it's a kind of beautiful story it's, cra it's crazy that that was four years ago yeah <laughs> that was a yeah. long time ago you were 17 at the time i was uh, 17 yeah we're in china that's unreal oh man that was yeah i mean it's wild and i, I guess it's always easy as a fan to kind of take in those emotions from a distance, you know? And so I think it's also easy to forget how much more intense and how much more powerful it must feel for you and for all the people that were there. Because even through words and in an interview, even for you talking about that feeling, I think it's so kind of impossible as an audience member to fully grasp the emotion of putting yourself wholly and totally into something and being, you know, one step away, one, one thing different. And that's, that's tough. Yeah. I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. Damn, dude, it's, <laughs> that's a lot. I, I forgot about how emotional that series makes me. Yeah. Very different to just watch other people get interviewed by Pace Time as opposed to talk to you about it in person. Um, but yeah, I hope that I hope that this split doesn't have another one of those moments for your sake. But I do you feel, is that still something that you're able to to bring in to further motivate yourself to either to avoid this feeling or to learn from those mistakes? Or do you feel like it's more like, kind of like a skeleton in the closet that's always going to haunt you until you win worlds or, or win lec or or i don't know beat skt in a best of five like i don't think too much of those moments yeah um because i tend to feel bad when i when i think uh, to those moments uh i feel like every week every day of practice this is uh i have a different focus maybe the focus is not like, uh, yeah, I was, I mean, the focus is not always, uh, yeah, I almost want spring split. So um, I want to, I'm kind of feeling motivated today yeah. for the practice to like um, go reach the top of the summer split. My focus is always different. It's like maybe today um, I want to focus on, um, I don't know, I just focus specifically on on the day itself, just yeah, the present. What's in front of you? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe today it's like, maybe yesterday I had too much ego that uh, it made the game look, or not the review look a bit harder. Let's say that was one of the thing, mm -hmm. just uh, because uh, sometimes you just, you just can be, maybe your teammate can feel some sort of aggression, yeah. um, but it's just because of the feeling. 
pick off the bad ego. Maybe someday I'll just like that, this focus of mine. Some days I'm more like, yeah, we'll just focus on this champion mechanically. Just every day, just a switch of focus for me. Yeah. And that's why I go every day thinking like this day is really important. Um, therefore, I think I became a more consistent player um, because I think I was really inconsistent uh, back then because every day uh, maybe I was more on autopilot switch, uh, not really thinking about tryharding screams. I mean, you want to try hard screams, but um, you don't, I didn't really think before the screams happened, so I wasn't really prepared for the screams. Yeah. I just knew, yeah, I have to scream. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of, okay, I'm going to prepare for the scream. What am I going to do for screams? I'm going to yeah. smurf. I'm going to smurf it for like the five hours of screams. Mm. So it's every day like that. My do you, has, has your mindset always been like that, or was there like a switch to change that? Because you remember you said before you're on autopilot. Was there something that changed? Was it joining Rogue that changed that? Or was there anything in particular? Maybe I'm growing older. <laughs> uh, no, it's... I mean, I'm getting more... I'm, I'm 21 now. And I think um, also beginning of 2020, I'm trying to focus a lot on... Or even 2019, I think it's been a long time that I focus on how I want to feel uh, every day as a person more as a person than a player. Um, because I think mental is really important and I'm doing a lot of things um, to help that, such as mindfulness, some meditation to calm myself because actually it's very important to do those things alongside of deep breathing exercises that can change your body. And body, uh, deep breathing exercises can change how you feel in your body. You can kind of feel more relaxed suddenly. And before the games, I always have a routine to get myself hyped up. Mm. Maybe that's why I'm that aggressive. Before the game, I'm always like, for more than 20 minutes, I'm saying myself strong words, self-talk. Yeah. So I actually become really hyped for that game, really energetic. But then I can't calm down after the game. <laughs> So I have to, I have to find a way to come. You have down. to reward yourself. <laughs> Be like you did it. Otherwise, you know? I'm so tired. <laughs> it's okay. And we uh, we have the same thing for casting. For yeah. the record, we and Kato have a warm up routine that we've built over time together as a casting duo. So I feel you. Once you're in the zone, it's hard to come back. Yes. Now, admittedly, <laughs> the zone for me also includes copious amounts of caffeine. So there's also a chemical portion of why I can't come down after the game, but it's a lot, right? <laughs> even just casting, even just casting you playing League of Legends and you as a player, maybe you can attest to someone who's done both. I can only imagine that when you're really high, like we were really pumped for all the finals, right? That was a great, like we, we had a great time casting that series, um, like regardless of result and coming off of that was like such a crazy, like life high. Mm -hmm. But how did that compare to you in like your biggest career moments? Because I'm, I'm curious, this is the first time I can actually ask a question like this because... Yeah. It's similar, right? It's, it's performing high pressure, but at the end of the day, if I if I you know grief a cast a little bit, I feel like the stakes are much lower. So this feels like a similar comparison, but obviously much higher stakes, much more individual. I don't know if Hans can agree with me here, but like for example, I played in the LEC for two years, right? And I couldn't actually find what my routine was to get into the zone. At first, I just started downing co caffeine and just taking coffee. But then I noticed when I was playing on stage, maybe I was a bit too jittery, uh, and I was a bit too um, overconfident and talking way too much. So the caffeine actually didn't do me well. I, I tried like no caffeine and trying things like green tea, which was caffeine, but a little less than just a coffee. 
that helped a lot. I think green tea for me was like the best thing before a game. Same. Um, <laughs> for you for as well. I saw the, re the biggest reason why I did green tea was I went to get my coffee one day before a match in the, in the cafeteria and I saw perks with a green tea. And I was like, whoa, why are you drinking a green tea? He's like, yeah, it's good. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. The next day I tried green tea and I just felt way more like level-headed on stage. So green tea for me works really well. So it's a little less caffeine, but it still gives you a similar sense of high, right? And then like, um, oh yeah, or like not a high, like energy. Um, <laughs> it's so funny because we're talking about it like, oh, never mind. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's true though. It sounds like not weird, but like um, hard to wrap your head around because you want to feel like you're in the perfect state of mind and your body's just like ready to just play. You right? want to be, you want to get the most. You want to take the kind of the human portions of being human kind of out of it for like a brief period of time, right? Like that's the point in your life where you want to be a machine. You want to execute. You want to feel the exact same way you feel every time. You don't want the wonderfully varied human emotional exactly. experience. You don't want to be like you're, yawning you're, and stuff. Yeah, like you're this. not here play, to play a solo queue game with your friends, right? You are here to like you are here to perform as Han Sama, as Cadrell on stage. Like you don't get time to be Mark Lamont or Stephen Lim. Like you don't get that space. So I think it's fascinating. I assume that this was to kind of wrap up this discussion. I assume this was. Was this a lot of experimentation on your end, kind of like Cajal did? Was it a lot of help from um, sports psychologists? I know you've worked with a few over the years. Um, what what was it that ultimately helped you find this routine that like works for you? Um, I think in, it's mostly um, my sports uh, rogue sports psychologist that helped me a lot. He I spent hours and hours to talk with him, kind of every week. <laughs> It's it's a lot of talking, but honestly, talking with him always brings me back uh, to what matters now. Mm. Um, so that's really important to get my life going um, because it's really a high stress environment. Sometimes you can just crumb. How do you say it? It just you crumble, just break crumble. Down. Yeah, you mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. break down in this stress environment if you can cannot handle it well. Um, so yeah, I think he introduced me a lot of technique a lot of good routines that i could try and some of them i like the most and it worked on me um like the routine that i do before the game to get hype uh, it's always something that i like the most i don't know but i come into the game after that uh, and i somehow just don't feel like choking <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't have, i don't have the time to, to choke uh, i don't even care what the people will say i don't even think if i would do bad or not i just mm. I just want to stomp them. You're just in the zone. I just want to stomp them. That's a good feeling. I just tell myself that I will stomp them more than a thousand times, and I just feel like, uh, yeah, there's no other you're things. You convince yourself that, like, yeah, this is this is free win. Yeah, and you're just in there. I have to, yeah, just feel really hyped. That's that's crazy. I Dang. love that. I have a problem. Just can't calm down after. That. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> can't calm down. Well, if as long as you're good during the game, you can figure out the rest of the stuff small, later. Small thing before we move on. Uh, I was on a team with Expect. You must remember Expect. Yeah, of His course, routine dude. before the game was he would grab a Red Bull, he would open it, and he would chug the whole Red Bull in one and then do the loudest burp I've ever heard in my life and he'd run on stage and get it, get ready to play. That was his routine. Every single game before we played, it was one Red Bull can straight down the throat, complete one-shotted. That, to be fair, that sounds very similar to my pregame ritual yeah. without the vocal warm-ups. <laughs> yeah. It might not be the healthiest of ways, but that's, that's what got him in the zone. But it's delicious. And it gives you wings with three eyes. Um, <laughs> not sponsored by the way sponsored by the way um that's fantastic thank you so much for the insight into kind of what what keeps you going i like the discussion about your pregame ritual 
And we're going to get a chance in a second here to talk about your schedule for this week because it's spicy. You've got Misfits in G2. But first, in a complete and total change of pace from the very serious and uh, kind of intense discussion we had about you, your career, your past, we get to ask the immortal question, is it balanced? Uh, Simple question, and you're both highly qualified experts here, whether it be in solo queue or professional play. I've got three picks to talk about. uh, And let's start with the easy one. Let's start with the the one on everyone's mind. Akali. Is it balanced? I want to go to Hans. For, I know what Cajal thinks. So, so Hans, is a collie balanced? Hmm. You can also say what you think. It's, it's, it's not you, more <laughs> just tell me what you think about a collie. You don't just have to give me a definitive answer if you don't want to. I think a collie just um, some good teams can abuse it in early game. I don't think she's that good in early game. She can just survive. Uh, but she always get pushed in some matchups um, but uh, after a while, when she scales, she becomes pretty hard to deal against. Uh, actually, I didn't. I think I didn't play against Akali yet in LEC. I'm not sure. Lucky you. Lucky yeah. me. <laughs> uh, but next week, maybe I might play against it. I mean, uh, depends on what you're going to ban. For context, Akali's been in 11 out of 15 games. Nuketek is the only mid laner to lose on Akali so far. He's 1-1 on the champion. It's 7-1 overall here. It's 8-2 in LCK. Showmaker and Faker lost on it. Showmaker and yeah. Faker lost, which is crazy. Showmaker, Faker, and Nuketok are the only three players who have lost on Akali. The, in the, the greats. EU. The greats. No, but Akali, the biggest annoying thing about Akali is not even her ultimate, it's her E. The second mm. E, her E2, is just an absolute one-shot. The second you get hit by the Shuriken, you know when she starts flipping on you, you're just dead. Um, but yeah, I think the champ has no real counters. The only... In, obviously, in lane, it gets countered, right? I mean, when you see Niski versus VTO, Misfits versus Fnatic, despite Fnatic losing that game, Niski was up like 40 CS. He had VTO under tower. He was taking plates in his face. He could not lane. It was impossible. But then he just uh, gets the team fights, gets a quarter kill, and then now you're one-shotted suddenly. So, yeah, this champ is... Um, yeah. I, I do expect, though, that as people get even more comfortable with some of the laning matchups here, that this champion might start to disappear. And I'm suspicious that it might not be that it might be a product of just these early weeks that teams are just not equipped to deal with Akali and kind of the chaos that she brings to the table. A single E-connecting, one-shotting some poor AD carry like you. Maybe in week two. Fingers crossed it won't be, though. Um, <laughs> but it also just it hasn't really shown up much at all in LPL, and that's kind of why it, um, why it throws me off here. A lot of set in the mid in LPL, and that makes me wondering if, if there's something maybe that, that we are missing here mm. in the LEC, like set. Would love to see more set. Don't set know where mid. that guy is going in uh, scrims. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I like that there's a point of time where she is weak. I like that she can be shut down in theory by like the Lucian mid players. Larson, obviously very comfortable on that pick, but yeah, what I'll say is from a fan perspective, as someone watching on the outside, this champion does literally nothing, buys one item and maybe a stopwatch and then kills like three people in a team fight. You know what I mean? So to me. I'd ban her. I don't know. Just <laughs> the free advice for the team. Give any team advice. watching this. I would just ban her. It doesn't ban her on the right side. First pick her on blue. Uh, uh, sometimes it's hard to deal uh, against her as an AD carry. I feel like uh, since the new item changed, sometimes you don't have the good opportunity to get as much uh, magic resist mm-hmm. as you should. True. Before, you would just get X-Shrinker and you're like, maybe fine. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Uh, but now, unless you're Kokomo, uh, combo can get wit sand, so much resist, but it, you don't get the shield that you used that you used to have back then. And building his drinker is quite bad right now. Uh, you can uh, have low MR most of the time, or your support just buys uh, some defensive item for you, but it's not optimal. 
Um, so yeah, sometimes it's pretty hard to deal against her. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I think that it's it's kind of interesting because I think that was one of the kind of the deliberate design shifts were that for to like uh, different item classes and different people to have different identities. But I agree because I remember you used to feel pretty okay about building Maw. You got the shield. You got kind of that steroid period of time where you got a ton of, I guess it's, it would be called Omnivamp now, but it was um, Spell Vamp and, and Lifesteal. And now anytime I have to build an MR item as an AD carry, I feel bad. Like, I feel bad. <laughs> like, I built wits end on champions. I should not build wits end on Aphelios. But, like, it always feels wrong. And yeah. going and building um, Immortal Shield Bow feels okay. But even then, I think against Akali, sometimes Immortal Shield Bow doesn't feel like enough. And Immortal Shield Bow also, compared to Gale Force or Kraken Slayer, feels like yeah. such a trash item, to be completely honest. Yeah, and I remember when I was playing AD carry a little bit, if you don't just rush, like Kraken Slayer, Gale Force, into PD or something, and then straight to an IE, if you don't have those three items, you just feel so weak. I yeah. don't know if you think the same. I'm not a fan of Shield Bow. <laughs> the damage is so yeah. different. Uh, depends on champion. Uh, depends on champion. Yeah. Samira likes shield bow. I passed that. I, I feel there's there's situations where it makes sense. You know, I see people build it. I'm not like, wow, why would you build that bad item? But I think from a feeling perspective, yeah, I never feel like I can actually just kill someone as an AD carry if I have the first item shield bow. It feels so... Plus Serpent's Fang counters you a bit. That's true. Not really that many people build that item right now, though. And I guess because no one's really been building shield bow. Maybe we see it more next week. Who knows? Yeah. Hmm. Next on the list, uh, two of two, as we already discussed, when earlier is Viego. 12 out of 15 games. He's 4-5 overall, 1-3 in mid lane, and 3-2 in top lane. Um, this is the most boring champion to watch in professional play that I've ever seen in my entire life, and I came from Trick. Viego? Viego, yeah. I think he's you think so Viego's boring. boring? I think Viego's so incredibly boring to watch. Viego's cool. And I watched Trick play New New Jungle at MSI like 2016, 2017, whenever that was, and that was boring. So <laughs> let, let me just give my opinion, and then you guys can tell me. Because I understand that if you're ever in melee range of this champion, he's allowed to free hit you. He's like Master Year Trinomir. He's just going to bl blow you up. What I what I struggle with is that like 90% of the game is either trading waves in a side lane or maybe he's gotten strong enough and we see him like solo kill Renekton or something when he's outscaled. But he's just kind of waits in the back of a team fight for a reset. And when he gets that moment, there's like 30 seconds where I'm like, Viego's the coolest champion on the face of the planet. He got the reset. He's taking this champion. He's going in. He's like killing people with this double blade of the Rune King passive thing. It's great. But most of the games that I've watched, outside of a few NA games where I think the champion really got to pop off, it feels like everyone in EU respects this champion's power. So this champion just waits in every team fight. You're like, oh, where's Viego going to go? And he's not going to go anywhere. He's going to sit there and he's going to wait. And until someone absolutely griefs it, this champion just stands there and looks edgy. Like, what is, what is the deal with this champion? What is he actually like? I get that his numbers are crazy, but he's boring to watch and he's not that successful. Hans, why is he so good? Actually... In screams when I started scream and uh, there was Viego in enemy team uh, or in our team um, felt like this champion was kind of making highlights 24/7. <laughs> it was it was one v freeing and stuff and it was maybe that's why people was to pick it on on stage on stage on official games. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, obviously people become more safer on official. It's so true, isn't it? Like you're in scrims, you play this bot lane or this jungle matchup or whatever, or mid lane matchup, and in scrims it looks insane. And then you get on stage and no one's doing anything. And you're like, wait, <laughs> I'm zero, zero, zero. Yeah, it's always been something like that in EU. I don't know. It's just uh, history repeats itself. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. EU style. No, I don't know. It's just uh, the mid 
not really the meta. I guess LPL, they still play Festa, I guess. Uh, I mean, I didn't really watch the game, but it was a EU thing to play it slow more uh, in officials, and that makes maybe Viego a bit weaker. I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah. What do you, what is like generally you think, because we've seen some of the games where like leader got ahead and it looked very, very powerful. We had the wonder sideline game where it kind of power farm for the most of the game and it was just unkillable. Do you, I guess the question that's important to me is like, is this champion worth the priority that it's getting in the meta right now from your perspective? Like, does it make sense? Because we've seen some first pick Viegos. We've seen people really prioritize like the Viego flex. Like, is Viego as powerful as people expect him to be? Because the win rate doesn't show that. Um, but I'm curious if that's people mis-executing or if do you think people are overestimating the, p the power of the champion? I think it's not that strong uh, based on the game we saw. Or I actually haven't played that champ. Uh, maybe people need to learn maybe more mechanic skill or <laughs> how to use it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't really look uh, that, uh, that strong. I think um, most people would not care too much about it. Maybe next week. I'm not sure because we'll we... Well, I don't want you to give anything away either if you've Rogue is cooking up some special crazy... Yeah, I don't want to leak too much. Yeah. But I think if, if there's any team that... Okay, no, I, I don't know if I should say that, but there's any team that doesn't probably play it, it's probably Mad Lines, right? Because they didn't have that many scrim times and just came on the back of MSI. True. Um, but so maybe they think the same. Maybe they don't think it's that worth putting time into. But I think yeah, Gwen, for example, is definitely up there. But Viego looks better in top lane to me because... When I see, I can't remember what game it was. I think SK was playing with Renekton. Yeah, yeah. The Viego was like half an item down. Just completely one shots to Renekton on side lane. A level down and half an yeah, item down. Play the Rune King, played at Steel Caps and uh, like Bramble Vest to Mythic, half of another item. It was, yeah, it was, something like that. And then the Viego just stomps him on side lane. So I guess on side lane, it, it looks pretty good against these melee bruisers because you just melt through them with percent HP damage. Um, and then obviously in team fights you can get resets. But I feel like if this champion gets CC'd once, he's instantly one-shotted. So you have to be very careful how you play the fights. I don't like him, but we'll see. I understand why people prioritize. The numbers are crazy. When he pops off, it's a, it's a highlight reel. And we'll see if anyone wants to pick him in the next week. Um, next week, Hans, it's Misfits, it's G2. Now, for the narrative, <laughs> any bad blood between you and Misfits? Any revenge storylines I can uh, propagate here? Well, I would say that I'm going to be pretty hyped to play against them. I think... Uh, yes, because you want to destroy them or just because you guys are good friends and you've been together for a long time? I think... You want to murder I them? don't know, but I used <laughs> to like... I used to... I still like this team a lot. Uh, yeah. the, the, I was there and uh, maybe that's why I, I'm so hyped and I really want uh, to win against them so badly. I don't know if I, what is my record against them since I joined work, but I think it's pretty high because, uh, I don't know, I just find myself uh, being like, okay, it's misfit, uh, I'll do everything I can to, to win against them. <laughs> I like it. I like the try-hard attitude, I like the try-hard mentality. I think the bigger, kind of scarier deal for you guys, though, as strong as misfits have looked, and they are a threat, I don't want people and to underestimate them. They have Vander. And they've got Vander. Vander. Former support. We're really trying yeah. to build rivalries. That's my thing. I'm just going to try to bait people into saying, I'm kidding. I'm not actually trying to bait you. This. You're fine. I would not do that to you. That'd be so messed up. Um, the other thing is, is the G2 matchup. And this one is really crazy because, again, I think on paper, most people's expected favorites, until proven otherwise in the split, are still Mad G2 and you guys. Those are the three front runners for the league. So this is another chance. G2 already took down Mad. Now Mad, as Cajal mentioned, maybe not as much practice. You guys also, maybe not a ton of practice, but it seems like Ready for the fight? How do you feel about uh, the G2 matchup? Um, well, I feel uh, I feel 
I'm not sure actually. When you just said me that, I was thinking about uh, actually it's regular season. Are we ever won a game? Uh, your record uh, was abysmal. Actually, yeah, you might not have won a, a game. We never uh, won like a game. Nine, uh, and then you might have won a game. I can't remember. <laughs> last I don't think season. you ever beat G two in the regular. season. I don't think you yes, ever beat G two. I just thought about it. I never thought about it just until now. <laughs> but so it's time to kill the misfits, misfits win streak, and conquer your demons and take down G two in the regular split. That's the plan for the weekend. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, clearly the plan. Did uh, you? Yeah, playing against Reckless as well, it's always uh, another hype thing for me just mm. to play against Reckless. He's been seen a long time and uh, he's always been kind of. I, at some point, I was uh, looking uh, up at him when I was like. I remember. Well, there's the Misfits split where you guys made it to finals and you went through Fnatic in the semis and then I think Reckless was was Reck were you MVP that split or was Reckless MVP that split? I was never MVP. It wasn't you. Aww. Okay, I'm so sorry, Hans. I'm <laughs> such a dick. I should know that. I should be better at my job. There was an interview with Reckless and I can't remember when. I for some reason in my head it's an MVP interview. This is the split. He talked about you specifically kind of coming into this final and uh how like how good you were and how you were like the next rising star but that was like 2017 it was so it's so crazy to think about how long ago yeah that was when he was like yeah he the next guy to like really rise up and be alongside i guess sven at the time and me reckless is, is han sama it's insane to think how far ago long ago that was yeah it feels uh when i think back it feels like it's not long time ago but it's actually a long time ago i feel like when you when i play when I'm having my career, sometimes the, the the time flies so fast. Maybe it's how the schedule is. Mm. I'm not sure. Yeah. But uh, it blurs together. Time that's flies when you're say. having fun. Sure. And <laughs> when you're playing a lot of League of Legends every single day. That's, that's for <laughs> oh sure. my God, you play League. Yeah. You like playing League. Yeah, the time flies. Play 20 game. Uh, I don't know. It's just so fast. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, last note from me before we close this episode. Uh, I'm really excited for Misfits versus G2, but the other matchup that people need to be excited for is Vitality versus Fnatic. It's the Thunderdome revenge match. Oh, good. Don't think any of these players care about that storyline, but I do. So it's Whippo versus Selfmade in the jungle. I expect 30 kills by 10 minutes. Yeah, I expect minimum. crazy level one plays. Someone is going to grief it completely. That someone might still go on to win the game. That and one's going to be a banger. It's going to um, be beautiful. But to close it out, thank you again, Hans Simon, for coming on to join us, man. Good luck in your games against uh, Misfits and G2. We're casting weekend. the G2 one. We are casting the G2 one. So we'll shout out this podcast. And uh, yeah, I don't know. If you want, is there anything you want us to say if you get a kill? Like a you title? You can think about it. You can, get, get you can either give yourself a title. If you get so a like, duo kill in lane, I'll message Mickey so, so the G2 bot lane has this option too. If there's any one-liner that you want us to say, like corny action movie or otherwise, and you don't have to tell me now. You can you can text us later. We'll do that. And Larson was on Euphoria. He wanted to be called the Ginger God. Yeah. So oh. during a cast, we called Larson the Ginger, Ginger God. God. And that was, his, uh, that was what he wanted. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. You can think about it. You can think yeah. about it. You can take your time. Yeah whatever All right. Mickey's gonna want to be called Yami Sukihiro so you know whatever you want to be called oh. <laughs> Yami Sukihiro yeah it's Black Lotus anyway so. it, whole other thing that's my guess I haven't actually asked Mickey yet but okay actually well, I saw something in Twitter like Black Clover Oh, no, we're not getting into this. 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 We'll, we'll talk about this later. Not, not now. I've enraged a fan base once. This has been episode two of Euphoria podcast of season eight. Thank you again, Hansan, for joining us. Glad to have Cadrill back. Good Feels luck good. on your co-stream. Good luck in your matches this weekend. And we'll see you guys on Friday for the LEC. Bye-bye.